Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is Kurt. Craig Valentine, author of The Perfect Day Formula and The Perfect Week Formula. And if you want to learn the formula to build amazing relationships, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. Welcome back to the show. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know. If you agree, then keep on listening for tips on how to cultivate meaningful connections the right way. If you disagree, then tune in anyway to let me prove you wrong with my journey. My name is Travis Chapel, and this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Hey there, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another interview here on Build Your Network. Today, I am talking with a buddy of mine, Craig Ballantyne. Craig and I have uh, met on a couple of different occasions. This is the second interview that we're doing with him, which is puts him in a really elite group of Build Your Network interviewees. So Craig, he's the author of The Perfect Day Formula, which is what we talked about the majority of the time, our last interview, and the new Wall Street Journal bestselling book, Unstoppable. He is a high-paid coach, the creator, of the Perfect Life Workshop and two exclusive annual events. And he's the founder of multiple seven-figure fitness empire and much, much more that just, there's so many things that Craig has done in his career. There's so many people that he's coached, that he's worked with. This guy just knows his stuff and that is for sure. But before we get into that conversation where we talk about um, writing his new book that's coming out really soon, The Perfect Week Formula, where we talk about moving from the fitness space to the self-development space and 
we talk about really actionable guidelines to finding a good mentor. There's so many mentors, there's so many coaches out there nowadays, and it's so difficult to know if you're actually hiring the right person. So Craig gives us some amazing guidelines here for that. But really quick before we get into that, if you are a six or seven figure business owner yourself and you want to know how to create and maintain relationships with some of the people that I've had on my show, or you want to become an authority in your niche, or just have your dream clients or customers come to you instead of you having to go out and get them, or you want to amplify your message to the masses, whatever the reason, I challenge you to start a podcast in 2020. My only regret in this journey was waiting. I knew that I wanted to launch a show at the end of 2016, and I didn't launch until around August of 2017. So that waiting period cost me nothing but time, money, and skill set. So stop waiting and just get started. But if you're going to do it, you're going to want to get started the right way, or you're just going to continue wasting time and wasting money. And that's where I come in. I help high-level entrepreneurs just like you create, launch, grow, and monetize podcasts. So if you are a six or seven-figure business owner and you want to see if we'd be a good fit to work with each other, then go ahead and head over to travischapel.com slash apply. That's travischapel, C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L.com slash apply to book a discovery call, and we'll chat really soon. And now here is my conversation with my buddy, Craig Valentine. Craig, what is up, my man? Thanks so much for joining me on the show today. This is going to be so much fun, Travis. We're looking forward to this. Yes, sir. So for those of you that are listening, you might be familiar with Craig because he's been on an episode of the show before. You are one of like the maybe five people that have have appeared on the show twice in 350 episodes. So uh, you should feel pretty special at this point, Craig. I certainly do, man. Anytime <laughs> I talk to you, man, I feel special already. So this is this is double the pleasure. <laughs> anyway, man, I, I do. I seriously appreciate your time, um, and I am looking forward to getting to know you a little bit better. Uh, since both of us are in this new mastermind that Joel Marion and Dan Fleischman have put together, but epic I want, mastermind. You you can't leave uh, out yeah, the word like I mean, epic whenever you talk about something that Joel has put together. I got the first email this morning about the yeah. first event that we have coming up, and I was just like, wow, there. I mean, this is already over delivering on my expectations. Uh, and, and you know what? You know what I wrote back is because Joel and I have been friends for ten years, and one of the things that he said to me, he hired me as a coach, but then we became like really, 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 really good friends. I was in his wedding and everything. And, and one day I was joking around like, you know, sometimes, you know, I send a lot of stupid texts as we all do to our friends. And I'm like, sometimes yeah. I just, I think about sending you a text and I don't, he goes, never not send me a, a text or stupid message. So with that as my way of operating, I sent him the email for everybody listening. It was about a little bit about the admin for the, for the meeting and what you're, you know, to the details and sort of stuff. But he said, but there's another follow-up email coming, so don't reply and ask what the dress code is and that sort of stuff. And I replied in all caps, what's the dress code? <laughs> That's yeah. the smart Alec that I am. Yes, yes. Well, it sounds like you and I will get along even better than oh, there I thought you go. we would. Some dry humor, good. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm definitely all about that. I'll, I'll have to tell you a story sometime about uh, something I said on the podcast the other day. That Right after I said it, I was like, I don't know if everybody's going to get my sense of humor on that. But, uh, uh, that's good, the, the guests that laughed. The, right people, that's the guests sure. laughed, though, so oh, I was off the hook. Yeah. Okay, so before we kind of jump into what, what you have going on right now, man, let's, let's build some context here for people listening and kind of go back. Let's go back, back, back in the day, because I doubt... 14-year-old Craig sat out and uh, wrote his career goals and it said, I want to be an internet marketer and personal development thought leader. Well, I don't, I don't think the internet was around when I was 14 years old, so I definitely didn't write that. Yeah. But, you know, you know, I probably did want to write books when, when I was that age, but okay. I probably didn't think I was going to be writing them in the stuff that I do now because back then I was all about strength and conditioning and that sort of stuff. So I thought I was going to write them in the health space. 
Oh, really? Okay. So even in like high school, you were, you were looking, you were studying a lot of the health space. Yeah. So when I was about 16 years old, I mean, I grew up in Canada where you play hockey and drink beer, or drink beer and play hockey. It doesn't really matter what order yeah. uh, you or do drink that beer in. while you play hockey. Yeah. Yeah. I actually <laughs> have done that as well. And so <laughs> I realized pretty quickly I was not playing in the national hockey league, but I wanted, I just, you know, that's the thing that I wanted to do, which is funny because now I don't care about it at all. But back then I did. And I wanted to be, I found out about this career called being a strength and conditioning coach in the National Hockey League and a strength coach. Obviously, a lot of people would know about that is these days, but back then it was not popular. And so I set about kind of on that path, even before I graduated high school, started looking at what they did, what career or not careers, what certifications they had, what degrees they had. So I kind of sort of knew that I wanted to go down that path. And I thought, you know, maybe I'd write a book about training or something because I'm a bit of a bit of a nerd, a bit of a jock nerd, I guess you would say is what I am. Got it. Got it. So what were the nerdy parts of you? Well, I did high school or uh, homework in high school. And so now like homework in high school is like, that's normal. You do like 40 hours of homework in high school these days. But when I went to school in like 1992, so in 1992, there were really like two things going on in my life. One was high school and the other was uh, Sega's NHL hockey, which was the greatest video game ever created. It was just absolutely amazing. And so I would play, <laughs> I would do my homework and then play Sega hockey for like two hours, you know, before it, it was came out on like all the computers and stuff like that. So, so it was a combination of my two things. So I was nerdy in that I did homework, but then jockey in that I played you know, all the sports and was you know, it's like one of those guys in like a, uh, one of those um, generic teenage movies who was like, the jerk jocks at the party, you know, and then yeah, the nerds right. would come along. And but I might have been the guy who was friends with the nerds and the jocks. I might have been that guy. I guess you would right, say, like, right. Avenging like, the nerds five. Yeah, totally. Like the jock that sticks around after the other jocks make fun of the nerds just to like pick them yeah, back up. And yeah, yeah. Pat on the back. The, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The jocks like that kind of feels bad about the the main jock who right. uh, who, who really teases. Um, yeah, know, because nerd, because he's nerd. an actual moron. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right. Exactly. That's funny. So when you were in, in high school, did you have like a lot of people counseling you to head a certain direction based on the career path that you had chosen? Or was that kind of non-existent where you were? This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own 
preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at Indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to Indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. No, I actually have a really funny story on that because like most people, maybe you did this, maybe you didn't, but we did like a career test and you know, it spits out like you should be a teacher, you should be a whatever. Mm. And mine, I don't like, cause I always think these multiple choice questions and, and similar stuff, like when you do a disc test or a personality profile, I'm like, well, I could answer both of these. You know, I always hated those types of questions. And that's what I think that career test was. And it told me that I should be a pastry chef now, <laughs> which is, which is ridiculous. I'm like, that was an option. Thousand. Yeah, really. Right. Like pastry chef, you know, you think like they'd be down to like five things, but they must've had like a thousand careers on that. And, and so I'm sitting there thinking, well, first of all, I haven't cooked. Like, I don't even cook now. I lived uh, in an apartment <laughs> recently in Toronto because it kind of bounced around all over the world. And I lived in an apartment for five months and I didn't turn the stove on once. So I'm not at all interested in cooking, let alone pastry chef. But then also like a pastry chef, you have to be patient and have detail, you know, attention to detail. And I am very impatient and have no attention to detail. So I have no idea how I got that as an answer on my career thing. So I, you know, I certainly wasn't getting any support in what I wanted to do, but I knew the path to get there. I fortunately knew like go and get an exercise science degree then get a certification, strength and conditioning certification and get your master's degree. And that's what you need to be to accomplish the goal that I had. And then I actually, I sent a letter when I was in my master's program, I sent a letter to every single NHL team saying I wanted to be a strength coach here. I was 24 years old with not a whole lot of experience. And some of them actually wrote me back and were really kind about letting me down. So did you actually end up going that path? Like you went to school and you got all the degrees and everything that you needed? The thing that changed my life was in the summer of 2000. So I'm turn, I turned 25, uh, still in school. So in Canada, you, I, you didn't graduate high school until you were 19 in some provinces up here. And then so by the time I get to university, I'm 19 years old. I finished my undergrad at 23. It was a four-year undergrad. And then I go into a two-year master's. So I'm in school till 25, but I'm not even a doctor, which is crazy. I know so many Americans are done school at 21, which I never really could understand. But you guys mm. go to uh, college so early. So there it is, summer of 2000, and that's the path I think I'm going down. I'm training athletes in the summertime, not a lot, but some. And then I was working with Canada's rugby team because we had a lot of rugby players at the school that I was going to that were on that national team. So I was making some progress there. And then one day, kind of looking for jobs on this uh, strength and conditioning job board, and I find the email address for the fitness editor at Men's Health Magazine, the biggest fitness publication in the world. And I write, I was also doing an email newsletter at the time, and I was doing it through Hotmail. So I had 3,000 subscribers, and I was sending the email out through Hotmail. Because I had no idea. Yes. I was so stupid, naive. <laughs> but you could only send it out to 50 people at a time. So it took me 75 minutes to manually send out like 60 emails to 50 people to send out the newsletter to 3,000 people. <laughs> That's amazing. But and honestly, though, all the addresses in a Word document. Like the cool thing about that though, is that you did it still, 
You know, yeah, like there's right. so many people that would look at that and be like, yeah, there's, you know, I, there, there's no way I'm going to spend an hour and a half just sending the email, not, right. not by creating it. Right. But just like sending it out. There's no way I'm going to spend my time doing that. But when right. you're somebody like you, you're like, like, you're just an action taker. Like just listen to the story so far. There's so much ambition and there's so many steps along the way that you just kept crushing goal after goal after goal and kept setting the bar and raising the bar for your own self. Was that something that came naturally to you? Was that something instilled in you by your parents? What do you think that was? Yes and no. So I think I think one of the most important things there was the clarity. So most people don't even know what they want to be when they go to university. They, you know, they go to a liberal arts degree, or even if you're an engineering degree, like, like what am I actually going to be? I don't know. But I knew that I wanted to do this strength and conditioning thing. So I think that set me way down the path, you know, compared to most people. Now, back to my parents' influence, they were hard workers. They would disagree that I was ever a hard worker because I'm a hard worker when it comes to academics. But I grew up on a farm and my parents always, you know, called me lazy because I was lazy. I was super lazy for for a farm boy. And uh, we didn't live on a dairy farm. If, if anybody's listening and they're like, what's the difference between a dairy farm and a, any other type of farm? Well, dairy farm, you have to get up and milk the cows every day at five o'clock in the morning, which if you are not a farmer, you, you need to understand that cows don't take a day off. Like they don't take Christmas off from eating right. and all this stuff. So I didn't live on a dairy farm. I lived on a beef farm, which is where your McDonald's hamburgers come from. And it was really pretty simple. My dad just got up. He fed the cows. He had a lot of other jobs, but a lot of them were just, you know, with tractor sort of thing. So it wasn't, it wasn't too crazy, but he had to do that. And I didn't really get in involved with it as much as he probably would like. And then my mom, she worked as a receptionist all day long and then came home and she sewed all her clothes. And in the wintertime, that's what she did was always sewing. And she was teaching, you know, she was very, very helpful with my homework. And then in the summertime, she was in her garden till 830, you know, till the sun went down up here in Canada, she was in the garden for the summer months and then canning everything. And she still does that. You know, I just, I was visiting her recently this week and she was still canning all these tomatoes and all these things. And you know, that's, she's 80 years old yeah. and she's still doing this stuff, you know, all day long. Cause she loves it. It keeps her young. So they would say I was not uh, much of a hard worker, but it was a hard worker in school and she did not finish high school. And she was adamant that we certainly would and then we would go on. She was, you know, she was very happy that we went to university, but she was also terrified that I was getting a degree and she didn't know what it was. And then the worst part was that you know, she was a receptionist at a factory. And one day a guy with an exercise science degree got a job at the factory. Like, you know, he was done school. And so she was ah, terrified. And, and I remember like she, she that's said all the me, evidence she needed. Yeah, right, right. And because I worked at the factory in the summer and I didn't like it. I definitely didn't want to work there for the rest of my life. But she just came up to me one day and she said, can you please just get a job as an accountant or something? So that's funny because, you know, you look at it now as an old, older and you go, well, yeah, you could see why she was terrified because she saw all those people working in the factory and yeah. you know, saw a guy with that degree working in the factory. But their hard work definitely was part of it. But I think it was also something that you're born with. Guys like our mm -hmm. friend Joel Marion, he's one of the most extreme guys you would ever meet in terms of work, but also in having fun. And that's not taught anywhere. It's just wired right. into you for better or for worse. And the discipline aspect, the future looking stuff is wired into me. So have you ever done the strength finders test? Yes, I have. But probably a year and a half ago, I'd have to research to find whatever the results were. Yeah. So mine, I'm way off the charts for visionary, futuristic thinking, strategy, implementation, and learning or something like that. So I'm pretty sure those are my five or some bastardized variation of it. Uh, yeah. You know, I 
I'm missing a word here and there, but, but I always thought everybody was like that. And mm-hmm. I was, if you asked me like, what are you doing November 19th at three, three o'clock in the afternoon? And I could tell you that I could probably tell you that like next year. And, and most <laughs> people would be like, I don't even know what I'm doing like in five minutes. But so, I, so, I, so I thought everybody was like that. And just on a bit of a digression here, if people are familiar with the imposter syndrome and ever felt the imposter syndrome, what I realized was through my own going throughs with the imposter syndrome is that you discount what you are good at. You discount what you are great at. And so whether it's something that you've built a skill at, like networking for yourself, or whether it's math or something that comes naturally to you or jumping, you discount. You say, well, everybody should be able to do this, but it's not that way. If you are a career coach or something like that, and you're like, oh man, I feel like an imposter some days. It's because you're really good at something and you think that everybody's good at it. And so for me, I run these workshops where people come in and I help them with their vision and their strategy and their clarity and their accountability and their discipline, all this stuff. And and I'm like, this is really like child's play. Like, why don't you guys get this? And the thing is, it's because they aren't wired to get it. And with all the other stuff going on in their life and their own strengths, they never spend any time in it. So I look at it and go, this is so simple. Why would anybody need help from me to do it? And that's when I felt like the imposter until after I had done enough of them, I go, oh my gosh, these are really smart people that don't get any of this. And I actually am in their eyes, like a genius at it because it's my gifts. And I also got better at my gifts. So if anybody out there is struggling with imposter syndrome, it is because you discount your greatness. And when you step into your greatness, then all of a sudden your perspective around your value to other people can totally change. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things to go into on that, but since you summed it up so nicely there at the end, I will go ahead and put a pin in that conversation. There you go. Second, because I want to kind of finish talking about the story here for a second. So you do all the things that you're supposed to do. You, like I said, continually push yourself. You, You go a route that maybe parents, culture, society, whatever thought wasn't going to be the path for you, but you decided that it was. So you keep going down that path. Around what time during that pursuit did you start getting into the online marketing game and then more specifically the personal development portion of online marketing instead of fitness and health yeah great question so actually i didn't finish the thing with the fitness editors so you know i was writing that newsletter and i found the fitness editor's email and i sent him one of my newsletters and people often ask me like how do i get into magazines and i'm like i'm the worst person to ask because i sent one email to the fitness editor of the biggest fitness magazine in the world and he sent me an email back the next day and said, yeah, we'll publish this. And like, <laughs> no, that's, that's never, ever going to work for anybody. I had another friend. Yeah, you should, build a, you should build a course, man. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's like the two-page course. And so I had another friend who sent an email to an editor every single Tuesday at 11 a.m. with value for like 30 weeks in a row before the guy ever replied. So that's another approach to it. So I got in with men's health. And that established what I called my critical credibility, Mm -hmm. critical credibility, because I am an introvert by trade. I have introverted tendencies, the way I say it. I don't say I'm an introvert. I say that I'm introverted tendencies. I don't like to label myself as an introvert Mm -hmm. because it allows me to do introverted things as excuses instead of doing the hard things. So I used that to then introduce some what I call introverted networking. So I'm the guy from Men's Health Magazine. I had my newsletter. I started interviewing people way back in the day through text, through email interviews. And said, you know, this, hmm. this was years before podcasts or anything like yeah. that. And so that's how I created this huge network of people in the fitness space because I had the credibility from that. Then 
with Men's Health Magazine, here's another secret that can go in my course. Why did I continue to get so much work from Men's Health Magazine when I was just a 25-year-old with a newsletter who was just still in grad school? Well, the reason why I got work from them was because people that work at magazines are among the most overworked and underpaid individuals in corporate America. So, you know, they're getting paid like 40 grand a year back then. Well, maybe they were getting paid 35 grand a year back in 2000. And they had all these deadlines and, you know, they had to create content after content after content. And so they would get expert sources. They would get quotes from these people. And then they'd have to fact check things before it went to publication. And none of these people would respond by the deadline, but I would. And so by default, I got more work. So the lesson there is whenever you're building relationship with somebody, make their life easier. Rocket surgery 101 right there, you know? Oh but- yeah, man, I absolutely love that. The lowering the resistance to the yes is ultimately what it's about. And, and touching on the credibility piece there that you talked about, that's one of the top ways that I've lowered the resistance to a yes, if I'm saying that the right way. But that's been absolutely, and I love the word that you used was critical credibility. What's up, everybody? This episode of the show is brought to you by HoneyBook. If you run your own business, you're used to doing it all. But if you're struggling to get through your to-do list, HoneyBook can help. And I doubt when you started your business, you dreamed about all those just awesome admin tasks and drafting proposals and contracts and tracking down payments. I'm sure that was a huge part of your vision. But if it wasn't, just in case, you need HoneyBook. HoneyBook is an online business management tool that organizes your client communications, bookings, contracts, invoices all in one place. They make it simple to run your business better. Professional templates, e-signatures, and built-in automation keeps everything on track and makes you look like the professional that you are. They can even consolidate services that you already use like QuickBooks, Google Suite, Excel, MailChimp, Gmail. It's the number one choice for client and business management for freelancers and business owners. Save time and do more of what you love with HoneyBook. And right now, HoneyBook is offering our listeners 50% off, 50% when you visit HoneyBook.com slash Travis. Payment is flexible and this promotion applies whether you pay monthly or annually. So head over to honeybook.com slash Travis for 50% off your first year and get started today. That's honeybook.com slash Travis. What's up, everyone? Just wanted to take a quick second and give a shout out to my favorite podcasting app, Himalaya. If you're not listening to podcasts on this new app, you're definitely missing out. It's like a social media app, but for podcast listeners. Follow your go-to shows, like and comment on your favorite episodes, and download professionally curated playlists made just for you. So head on over to your app store or Google Play store and download Himalaya today and thank me later. Before we keep going on in the conversation, can you talk about maybe some other ways besides writing for a nationally published magazine that we could increase our credibility? Absolutely. I mean, that's the objection that a lot of people are having right now. Well, I'm not going to get into Vogue or you know Vanity Fair or whatever it is that you know might be your world. Well, listen, it's it's not about that. It's about the local paper. Hey, I was interviewed by the local paper, you know, the Pittsburgh Gazette. Great. I was in the Pittsburgh Gazette. Now that goes on the thing. And in this day and age, you don't even need to be in publications as much as you need to be on websites. So as seen on mindbodygreen.com or whatever it is, like that's all you need. Or I spoke at this event and maybe the event was at a Holiday Inn and there was 50 people there, but you just need to say that. And people, it's not like people are like immediately going to Google and saying, did Travis Chapel really speak at the Holiday Inn on February 9th? Like nobody, right. nobody's doing that. So now all of a sudden you, you elevate your status and 
I actually do a little bit of teaching about how to use Instagram. And one of my theories, not theories, but one of my formulas is you must manufacture celebrity, manufacture celebrity and elevate your status by getting pictures of you with people at events and getting recommended by them by being other people's podcasts. And that's how in this day and age, well, all man, all celebrity is generally manufactured, but we can manufacture our own celebrity better than ever by being at events, getting pictures with Gary Vee or Travis Chappell or Joel Marion or whoever it is, and then posting them on our Instagram. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh my God. And then just making videos in this day and age, even still, you know, 13 years after YouTube, doing videos elevates your status because most people are too scared to do videos. So mm. that's how you can get critical credibility. And if you do videos consistently, you separate yourself from the small percentage of people that do videos at all because all of a sudden you're the person who does videos consistently or podcasts consistently. When you said 300 plus episodes, that just puts you even today in a league so far beyond the people. Like for both, I have two podcasts. They both are at about 115 episodes. So you're way ahead of the game. So it's that consistency and there's multiple ways for everybody to build critical credibility, which you know was a huge, huge thing for me because I used that in my sales letters back in the day when I was selling fitness stuff. I used that to then go start my online career doing stuff for Men's Health Magazine online. So they started their website and I was back in the day when they actually had advertising money, they actually had money to pay me as opposed to 2015 <laughs> when they were basically not paying me for long, long articles because yeah. I couldn't anymore. But they got me a spot answering questions on their form. And they actually paid me for this. And back when I was a 25-year-old kid in grad school, 300 bucks a month to answer a couple of questions on the forum was great. But that then allowed me, because I was the expert on the forum, to sell my first program online on January 28th of 2001. It was a Word document full of workouts with no pictures, no exercise descriptions, and it was sold through PayPal to a guy that contacted me through the forum and asked me if I design a workout for him. That's amazing. So yeah. there's so many things here. I want to pull out the one thing you said about pictures and with people and things like that, because that's been the number one way for me to grow my business and my audience was just leveraging credibility that other people had already taken the time to build. If you go about trying to build your own credibility without leveraging other people's, I mean, that could be a decade long game. That could be a two decade long game. But if you can share credibility with other people who've already been building their brand and credibility for decades with a bunch of other people who have already been doing the same thing as well, and you can kind of just share a little bit of that by getting them on your podcast or taking a picture with them or getting them on your YouTube channel or something like that, if you can share that credibility a little bit. All it does is boost you up in the eyes of the audience. If an audience has never seen you, they don't know you from Adam, but the first context through which they see you is a picture of you and Gary Vaynerchuk, then they automatically put you on a level that's above what they think other people are operating on, if that makes sense, which only... Yeah. Hey, can I tell you the, the funniest way that I tapped into some credibility last summer? Yeah, please. Okay. So I did an Instagram live titled the five things that Grant Cardone is doing right on his Instagram. And I don't know how he saw it, but he ended up watching it. And the next day in his stories, he told everybody who follows him watching his stories to follow me. Yeah, amazing. And then he started following me. And then he commented on a couple of my Instagram lives. And I took screenshots of those. And I think I even used them in a sales letter because I was talking about my Instagram course. And it said, like Grant Cardone's comment was, Craig knows what's up. And I put that on my sales letter. Yeah, perfect. It's just like a can, little tiny tap thing. in and yep. yeah.
Yep. It's uh, it's, yeah. The, there's one thing that I do on, on my show that I think was the best use of airspace, I guess, if you will. And that's something that we'll record at the end of this Zoom call, Craig, and something that I teach all my clients is that I have every guest read, do this little audio bumper that I start oh, yeah, off yeah. every episode of my show with, which basically just says, hey, what's up? This is, you know, the name of the person. And uh, I'm the, they share their own credibility piece, like the author of this or owner of that, founder of this, whatever it is. And if you want to learn how to network better, you should listen to this podcast with my friend, Travis. And I had a client reach out to me recently and uh, tell me that that was the whole reason that he ended up investing with me was that he was just like, man, I don't know how Travis just has all these friends. Like how, how is this guy like friends with everybody? Like they all come on and say that they're, that they're good friends. And uh, like those little tiny pieces that just add additional credibility to you that aren't that difficult to get. You just have to be willing to go out and and try to make it happen. But those things are going to be the the lifesavers and, and the difference between you waiting 10 years to get your business off the ground or two years to get your business off the ground. Exactly. So moving in with speed between this day and age. Yes. Success loves speed. That's for sure. Which is one reason I ended up jumping in that mastermind that we're both part of. Right. Exactly. Delay Um, kills dreams. Oh, that's a, that's another way that man, that those two sayings on the heels of each other is the perfect, uh, perfect statement there. I actually used them in a uh, sales promotion the other day. Success loves speed. Delay kills dreams. That's amazing. Yeah. That, that is, I mean, so true. And I've experienced that time and time again. Let's move to talking about now the journey into the personal development part. So you talked sure. about men's health, men's, or, or men's fitness, and you know, writing for these health things, creating workout programs and regimens. At what point along the way did you realize that you were developing a skill that would be able to translate into really any industry if you, if you really think about the skill of marketing and attracting customers? Yeah. So the weird thing was, is that I never really wanted to just be in fitness. And so I always was looking for a way out. So I sold eBooks up until about 2009. And in 2007, I had my first business seminar. So a lot of people were asking me, how the heck are you doing this online business? I want to learn. So I had my first business seminar in 2007. I started my first mastermind back then. Then I started another mastermind with a guy named Bedros Koulian in 2009. You will meet at the mastermind. Um, yeah, in, I've, in I've uh, had him on the show. A oh, little cool. Back. Yeah, but uh, yeah, did game that one in person, actually, yeah. Amazing dude. He's, Amazing he's dude. Good, good friend of Joel's as well. So we, we started a mastermind there, and then Joel started coaching with me in 2009. So I was doing the coaching on the side while still running the fitness business. And then back, all the way back in 2006, I had very crippling anxiety attacks, which we might have covered on the last show a little bit. But I had these anxiety attacks because I didn't have to be a personal trainer anymore. So I no longer had start time and end times to my work day. I could work whenever I wanted. I could go out every night because I could sleep in if I wanted to. And in Toronto, where I lived, it's kind of like New York, where you could go out every night. And I certainly put that theory to the test uh, for, for a little while <laughs> yeah. and paid the price for it. I was 29 years old or 30 years old when I had my first anxiety attack. Went to the emergency room a couple of times for it and then realized what was missing from my life was not more freedom, but actually more structure, which led me to writing the perfect day formula. And then one other thing that was very critical that happened back in 2006 was I hired my first business coach. I waited too long to do it. But when I finally did hire one, my business grew really, really fast. But he asked me this one question on the very first call. He said, Craig, what do you want your business to look like in five years from now? And I said, I want to have a business like Early to Rise, which was one of the first health, or not health, but wealth and success newsletters. And everybody knew of it. I mean, at one time in like 2006 or seven, they had an email list of 300,000 people, which was huge back then. 
Hmm. And they were the go-to. And so my coach knew who they were. And he's like, okay, great. Well, you need to become a better speaker. You need to grow your network. You need to become a better writer. You need to become a better coach. You need to do a lot better. So I set myself on that path. And that's why I started my business coaching and all that sort of stuff in 2007 and mastermind and so on and so forth. In 2011, I ended up buying that exact business early to rise, which then allowed me to continue making the shift. But at the same time, I actually came up with a brand new fitness program that was my best selling fitness program of all time. So that kept me really strongly in the fitness industry up until about 2014. And then I wrote the perfect day formula and released it in 2015. And that was the final straw that allowed me to shut down the fitness business. I walked away from a very successful business because I really, at the end of the day, I wanted to work with high performers like you and Joel and coach them to have a greater impact rather than me having that impact. So I want to touch on something here and go back a second because I think this is super important. This is obviously the Build Your Network podcast. We talk a lot about networking relationships and how they help you achieve the things that you want in life. Can you talk to us about the importance, first of all, and the process of hiring a business coach? Yeah, so I have a couple of rules for it. So it's almost like a little rhyme here. And I say the first thing, rule number one is you must find somebody who has been there and done that and achieved what you want to achieve. Okay, so somebody who's been there, done that, achieved what you want to achieve. And so I was hiring this guy, Tom Venuto. And Tom Venuto was even more successful than me and earlier than me in selling ebooks. He sold this ebook called Burn the Fat, Feed the Muscle, which, I mean, he sold hundreds of thousands of copies of it in the early 2000s. Very successful dude, like the godfather of the fitness industry, ebook industry. And so he was also a friend of mine. And so I was like, I just happened to ask him about coaching at the time he happened to think about doing coaching. So it just worked out serendipitously. I ended up being the only person he ever did coach. So I'm not sure what that says about me. But <laughs> yeah, but good or bad. Yeah, go. not not sure. But it happened. Yeah. Yeah. So the first thing is someone been there, done that, achieved what you want to achieve. So you get their experience. Second thing is someone who shares your morals and ethics. Because someone can have the wealth and riches and success that you want, but then they give you advice that turns your stomach and you're like, oh my gosh, that doesn't sound right. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of people will go and do it because they want to be successful. So you got to share the morals and ethics of your coach. And Tom just had the integrity through the roof. So everybody knew Tom as like the greatest guy in the world. So that's why I hired him. And yeah. then the third thing is you need to both check and see if you have rapport with them. So whether it's jumping on a quick call or going to their event, meeting them in person, even chatting with them in email to make sure that they're a good person, and then checking the references if applicable. So I knew Tom for like years and years and years. I knew that he was steady and, and so on and so forth. But I know I have had clients come to me and hire me after going and checking another coach's website. And the coach's website had a person on it who said this, this, and this. And that person was friends with that person who said something on the website and said, hey, you know, Bobby, did you say this about uh, Johnny's program? And the guy's like, no, I never said that. And he goes, well, it's on the website. And he was like, no, I never said that. So the guy was like, okay, I'm not hiring that guy then. And wow. then, you know, he came to me and, and did the reference check. So believe it or not, like I said, you know, most people aren't, aren't going and seeing if Travis Chaffel spoke at the Holiday Inn, you know, to 50 people. They're also right. not actually doing the homework on a million things that they're getting scammed on these days. So it's those three things. And when you have those three things and connection with the coach, then go all in. 
is there any are there any red flags that you should look for that would because obviously there's a lot of liars out there and especially these days it seems like everybody and their mom is a coach you know like they're a coach that coaches coaching on coaching coaches you know what i mean so like how how do you kind of wade through some of that and actually find somebody that has had the results and that you like you know that they've had the results not just they sent you an email that has a bunch of results that you can't check. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like anything else. You, you have to do the work. So the onus is on you in this day and age. Okay. Buyer beware. And as it always has been, and we joke about the coaches, coaching, coaches, coaching, coaches. I'm a big believer that everybody should have a coach. So I think, you know, the more coaches, the better, but what you can do, like think if you were getting a plumber, what would you do? Would you just go and Google plumber and take the first guy? No, you wouldn't. You would probably ask her you probably first before you googled anybody you would say hey travis man dude bad plumbing scene over here who's your plumber can you let me know and Mm -hmm. what you'll find is the more affluent the person the more that referrals are important so if you're you know if you're trying if you're a person listening you're like you know i I sell uh, very expensive cars well you're not really going to get get the clients by advertising you're going to get those clients by doing a great job and over delivering to your clients that you have now so that Mm -hmm. they refer you business because that's how a lot of people make their buying decisions so i think that's one of the most important things is if somebody's looking for a coach man if the coach doesn't have stuff on youtube if the coach doesn't have either a book or a pod dive and see like do i have the rapport with this person if I won't say that they have to have been around for a long time because I think in, in this generation, it's, it's easier than ever for somebody, not easier, but it's, there's more opportunity than ever for somebody to make a lot of money quickly and early. And I'm not saying just because you do, you're going to be a great coach, but just because someone is, if someone claims success at a young age, you can't discount them and say, well, that's not possible because yeah. I have a client in my coaching program who is a coach to digital marketers and the kid's 19 years old, but he became a, almost a millionaire when he was 17 through digital marketing. And wow. It's just like, you can't say the kid's not going to be, like he's actually a great person and very well-rounded and has great self-awareness. So he is a good coach. Right. And so you can't just say, well, he's 19, so he's not going to be a good coach. So that doesn't disqualify anybody. But if you do your homework, you ask for referrals, if you can go to an event and just do the work that you, sh- you need to do, it's not something you should sign up with on day one. You need to really think about it. Yeah, and ultimately you have to take responsibility because I see this happen a lot where people hire coaches and their first instinct is when there's lack of success, they just want to blame the coach. So can you talk about the importance of taking responsibility and how it affects your business? Yeah. So there's a couple of things that are really important. And one is expectations. Expectations, whether you're hiring a coach, you are probably going in with expectations. A lot of people are going in with expectations that the coach is going to be the Wizard of Oz and, oh my goodness, everything is going to change when I get this coach. Well, you know what? Even the best coach is not going to be able to magically produce results. Now, I think I focus on giving people quick victories so we get the momentum and motivation going. But in most cases, there's going to be some ups and downs. That's just life. So you have to have the proper expectations and the coach has to communicate the proper expectations. So you should probably have a little chit chat about that before you either sign up or when you sign up and you get going, that should be one of the first things. Like, let's just clarify what I'm going to get out of this, how soon the results are going to, what do I have to do to get them? Now, on the other side of things is if you're an entrepreneur and you have a team, you really need to be clear on expectations, especially when you're hiring people. A lot of people 
will, and I'd made this mistake. So I'm, I'm guilty of all the mistakes that I explain here on this call. I've made them. So that's why yeah. I know they're mistakes. And <laughs> so as a leader, I hired people for low end jobs. Like, you know, when you're, when you're an entrepreneur just starting out, the first thing you probably do is you hire an assistant. And then what a lot of people do is they say, well, the assistant's good and dependable and I like them and they're smart. So I will make them into a marketer. Well, that's not what they were hired for. And that's not what they were trained for. And now you just expect them to become a marketer. And I've seen that happen. I've done it, made that mistake. And so the expectations, oh, well, I expected you to be a good marketing. Well, you didn't hire, like, why are you expecting me to be good at marketing? You hired me to be a virtual assistant or right. personal assistant. And so there's expectations are miscommunicated. And that's the same with any type of relationship. And that needs to be clear from the get-go because that's one of the, and especially in partnerships, that's another thing. I know a lot of people will go into partnerships too early unnecessarily. People would give, well, should I give away equity in my business to the guy who's my copywriter? No, you don't need to do that. Why would you do that? Just hire the guy. But people, people I think, go into partnerships early. And, and my, my friend and I, Bedros, were really against partnerships as much as possible because you should, a lot of people will use the partner as a crutch. They'll think, oh, well, you know what? I'm not good at this. So I'll just get a partner because hopefully they'll be good at this. And now you're splitting the business and, and eventually you're going to, the partnership's going to fail. So if you do go into a partnership, the expectations have to be super, super clear. And they have to be, you know, even if they're your buddy, they have to be written down formalized. It doesn't need to be a long legal document, but you need to have like two pages that spell out, here's everybody's responsibilities. And should one person want to end the partnership, here's how we end it. So when those things are in place, it's clear communication and expectations. Those are really the foundational fundamentals that prevent a lot of problems going forward. Yes, yeah, so much awesome practicality there, Craig. And now, I mean, we're, we're coming up towards the end of this convo. So I want to move into talking about the new thing that you have coming up. We've moved into the perfect day formula and how that had a huge impact on your life. And then you wrote another book. And now you're coming out with this new book that's going to be out here pretty quickly, the perfect week formula. And you said, uh, you said this is the book that you should have written a while ago. So talk to me what you mean by that and what can uh, listeners or readers expect to gain from from reading this book. Right. So after I wrote The Perfect Day Formula, I realized I wrote the wrong book. I should have wrote The Perfect Week Formula because duh, not every day is the same. And we also got a lot of questions. Well, you know, I, you know, I have three kids and I have, you know, this responsibility. And it's like, okay, we didn't cover a lot of things. Now, The Perfect Day Formula is still a great book. It's been life-changing for a lot of people. And it gives you the foundations for being much more productive. But there's so many other things that go into a great life than being very productive because you can, there's a lot of people that are very productive and efficient at really useless things. And that's a huge waste of time. So what I realized was, and we made this the theme of my perfect week formula, that if you remember nothing else from the podcast, this might be one of the most important things is that you must build your business around your life and not your life around your business. So let me say that again, build your business around your life and not your life around your business. Now, most people, most entrepreneurs, we're so gung-ho. We love to work. We love all this stuff, but that gets in the way of our relationships. We no longer do the things that were fun for us in our late teens and 20s. You know, when was the last time we played sports or went dancing or whatever it was? And there's more to life than making a ton of money. Now, here's the thing. You can still make a ton of money with this approach. So what, what I teach people in the Perfect Week formula is put your life on the calendar first. So put date nights, family dinners, family time, hobbies, workouts, put that stuff on the calendar first as non-negotiable. And now, very much like when you take a five-year-old bowling and you have to put up bumpers so they don't get gutter balls, you've now put up 
bumpers and boundaries in your life so that you don't get personal gutter balls. You mm. don't become overweight because you have neglected your health. You don't ruin a 10-year marriage because all of a sudden you decide to go all in on your business and you, you, know, you skipped all the date nights and you're not even making it to juniors uh, soccer practices and you're leaving your, your spouse to operate with three kids and they got a job too. And yeah. now you're leaving them hanging because you want to be the next Gary Vaynerchuk or something. So when we build it that way, it's a totally different way of doing things. And I think that you can still be ultra successful doing this because it forces you to be so much better with your time. So part of this came out working with doing my workshops. And I would eventually always come back to this little presentation I do in the Perfect Week Formula, which just seemed to solve so many people's problems of where do I do this? How do I get this done? How do I still have time for my family? But it all stemmed from working, hanging out with Bedros. Because Bedros and I are business partners, but we're business partners in what we call side businesses. And we have very clear expectations on what each of us does in these side businesses. They're not our main businesses. And we have a podcast. And I spend a lot of time with them out in California. And at five o'clock sharp on Wednesdays, it doesn't matter where we are, what we're doing. If we're driving down the highway. He kicks me out of the car and says, you're on your own, buddy, because five o'clock signals the start of date night with his wife. And this is a guy who runs a franchise with 800 franchisees. He's the franchisor. He has 800 franchisees. He has 55 employees. And every Wednesday at five o'clock is date night. Now, if every Wednesday at five o'clock is date night and there's no more work after five o'clock and you're running an empire, what does that mean the rest of Wednesday has to look like? Yeah, it has to look darn productive. No superfluous stuff. Right. No screwing around. No scrolling on Instagram. It is a bumper, right? No gutter ball. He does not have gutter balls in his relationship with his wife because date nights are non-negotiable. It goes on the calendar first. So his travels built around it. His speeches are built around it. Our masterminds are built around it. Even when I visit all the way from Canada, you know, he kicks me out of the car, you know, sometimes I've even had to babysit their kids. Like he's like, Hey, can you take care of the kids tonight? We'll order you a pizza. And so I'm eating pizza with his dog and his kids are like 11 years old. So they don't even need me there. So I'm just you know, having a night in with Cookie, his dog, while they're out, I'm having date night. But that is his commitment to it. Yeah. And he's able to build an empire because of that type of stuff. And when you think of things that way, we go, you know what? Well, every time I have a dentist appointment, I never miss my dentist appointment. Somehow I can take time away from work to never miss a dentist appointment. Well, maybe I can make time for date night and the workouts that I need and so on and so forth. That's music to my ears, man. I, I remember reading, I read the perfect day formula in preparation for our first interview. And uh, I can't wait for this one to come out because it honestly seems like it's so much more up my alley with those types of things. Because yeah, I mean, every day uh, ideally would look uh, very similar to this the day before, but that's, you know, in the, especially in the, what, what you and I do with the travel and the, the family and all the other various things that can come into it. I think looking at your week more holistically from that approach is uh, such an amazing, amazing exercise. So where can we find a copy of the book, man? Where's the best place where we can pick up a, a copy of this uh, this new project you're working on? Well, right now it's on my computer, um, but, uh, <laughs> but we'll have it on Amazon probably around uh, for the holidays for sure. So Perfect. early December, because we actually, I do a big event around the same time you do. So I, I'm not sure when yours is in November. Mine's November 8th and 9th. Yeah, it's and, literally the same exact dates. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. So yeah. we actually, I promise that the book will be in the gift bags for everybody attending. So they'll get the book there and then I'll record the audio book after. The power of deadlines is, and this is a great example of the power of deadlines. Last year, I, I finished another book for it and I was writing from 4.30 a.m. till 7.30 a.m. for 30 days to finish the book in time. 
And we ended up, this is also like a, you know, move fast sort of thing. We ended up putting out a book in a soft cover for just the attendees with 87 mistakes in it. And I found all 87 mistakes the next week when I went and read the audio book, which is totally fine though, because we didn't put those, we didn't make 5,000 copies and put them on Amazon. We just made 500 copies for the attendees. And then I found all the mistakes and I fixed them in the audio book. And then we put all the right copies out on Amazon. And it just shows like most people are just like, oh, you know, I want to go through it, edit it one more time. Well, when we have that hard deadline, like, hey, everybody, you're going to get a copy of my book at the retreat. And you got to, well, you got to get it done because the printer's got to have enough time and so on and so forth. So those hard deadlines are another thing that has really forced me ahead in life too. So just want to throw that in there. Love it, man. We're coming up here to the end of this convo. So let's go ahead and, uh, oh, real quick before we move into the last segment, this is a question I ask every guest. I'm sure I asked you the first time, but I got to ask it again. Who you know or what you know, Craig, which one's more important? I will still say that what you know is most important because I, as, as I was telling you before, I listened to your podcast with Joel Marion. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't know anybody, but you knew the stuff that you revealed in that podcast, you know, the five things about networking, which I wrote down, I mean, and I'm pretty good at networking and I learned a ton from that. If I knew that, then I will know everybody. So throw a little curveball at you there. It's that is a curveball. That, that's, a, that's a good answer. I can't argue with myself on that. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go, well man. done, sir. Yeah, touche. Let's go ahead and move into this last segment here. The random round, just a few quick random questions, quick random answers. Ready? Yep. What profession other than your own do you think that it would be fun to attempt? Oh, playing in the National Hockey League, that's for sure. If you could sit on a park bench with someone past or present and chat with them for an hour, who would it be? My father. How do you like to consume content, books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, or videos? I have never listened to a podcast in my life. Uh, as I was telling you, I think I, I mentioned this in one of our emails, like I get podcast transcribed. I, so I only read information. I, it's like nails, you know, sitting on nails to actually watch video. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. Morning routine. Right now, I'm up at 3.57 a.m. I drink a liter and a half of water, and I start writing at 4.12. What is your go-to pump-up song? When I go on stage, I usually have uh, the Baba O'Reilly song by The Who, which most people don't know that name, but it's, um, it's like Teenage Wasteland is what people usually call it. So that's my speaking song anyways. What, besides business, setting business aside, what is something that you are just not very good at? I am not good at cooking and I tend not to be good at mechanical things. So Mm. if I was like turning a wrench on something, I always turn it the wrong way. (laughs) As we get everything wrapped up here, Craig, what's one place online where we're going to be able to find you the most? Instagram, real Craig Ballantyne on Instagram and also earlytorise.com. Perfect. So Instagram hit Craig up. If you're listening to this right now, take a screenshot of this episode, upload it to your Instagram story, tag me at Travis Chapel and at Real Craig Ballantyne. That's B A L L A N T Y N E. Tag us. Let us know you're listening, that you're tuning in. We'll go over there and say what's up. Craig, thanks so much for joining me on the show today, my man. Looking forward to getting to know you better a little bit more this year and uh, had a fantastic time talking with you. Thanks, my man. Well, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. As most of you know, I talk a lot about giving value to others. This podcast is one of the ways that I do that since all the content from the show is totally 100% for free. And when people ask me how they can add value to me, one of the ways I tell them is to head over to iTunes, hit the subscribe button and leave a rating and review. This not only gives me valuable feedback on what you think about the show, but it also helps me with Apple's algorithm. So please, 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 if you have not done that yet, head over to iTunes, leave a rating and review for the show. It adds tremendous value and it only takes a minute or two of your time. 
Also, if you have not yet registered for my live event out here at Top Golf behind MGM in Las Vegas this coming November, then you're going to want to head to buildyournetworklive.com to do that right away. Seating is extremely limited, so you need to act fast on this. Head to buildyournetworklive.com to grab your ticket today. Trust me, you are going to want to be a part of this inaugural live event so that in 10 years from now, you can brag about being one of the founding members. Plus, you know me, I promise I will over-deliver on value and make it worth way more than you are going to invest to get here. So have a wonderful rest of your day and remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.